Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, basketball fans. Welcome into Ball Movement. Today, we're going to get to part two of our conversation with James Gist. We're going to pick up where we left off with James making a move to Turkey, how he decided between a guaranteed contract overseas as opposed to going for a non-guaranteed contract in the NBA, changing teams for better contracts, all the cool stuff he's gotten to see during his time as an overseas basketball player, being a part of the first player-for-player trade while he was in Greece, about how Mike and James were both in Greece at the same time and got to play up against each other. James also talks about the differences playing overseas in terms of conditions and facilities and equipment and things like that between, you know, being at an ACC school like Maryland at the time, and now Big Ten school, and and some of the overseas programs he's played for. He talks about how you protect your mental health, advice he would give to young players and advice that was helpful for him. Being in Greece when Giannis was a uh, NBA prospect and, and playing in the third division in Greece about having his hot water go out, no Wi-Fi. There's so much cool stuff here for Maryland basketball fans. If you're checking this out, there's a really cool nod to Gary Williams at the end of the podcast as well. So so we'll get back to our conversation with James here in a second. But first, just a word from one of our sponsors, Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land, Bet Online is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's pick the conversation up. I think Mike's got a question here for James, and we'll just keep it rolling. Like, so you went from Serbia, then you went to Fenerbahce, right? Yeah, after my Serbia. Yeah, I remember. I remember you called me. You were like, "Yo, like we we here. You got your deal." That was like that one was crazy because you know Fenerbahce in Turkey. Yes, in Istanbul, they had an NBA lockout the following season. The year I signed in Fenerbahce, they had an NBA lockout. And, you know, Bill Duffy, my agent at the time, they knew that the NBA lockout was coming up because the NBA Players Association wasn't agreeing with the new collective bargaining agreement that the NBA had presented. And so they knew that it was a possibility that there would be a lockout. And so I had an opportunity to sign early. And during that time, I also had an opportunity, you know, where Denver had me, wanting, they wanted to sign me. But it would have been in the summertime for one. And two, we didn't know if the NBA season was actually going to happen. And even if it did, we didn't know when it was going to start, which it did end up starting late um, that year. Uh, so I had a choice where I was like, you know, you could sign this contract right here, which was, you know, numbers I had never seen before. I never thought I would be, you know, bringing in. Or, you know, you could wait out, you know, the, the thing for Denver. And we had to go ahead from them. We had to, like, you know, we want to bring them in. Um, but, you know, when you look at this lifestyle, you know, you need to secure a bag. You need to secure 
your 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 job for the next year because you never know with basketball. You never know injuries come along, um, situations happen like an NBA lockout. Let's say those things come along, things that you just don't plan for. Unplanned events come, and if you're not locked in or you're not you don't have a security net to fall in on, you're just out there now. Now you got to find a job. Now you got to find some kind of income unless you did right and saving from the year before. You just never look at COVID last year. You know when COVID hit a couple of seasons ago, our season finished in March. It didn't go all the way to June. So a lot of people kind of had to figure out what the contract situation was going to be. And then we weren't sure if there was going to be a, a basketball season ever because we just didn't know how it was going to play out last year. And gratefully, it happened like that. But, I mean, you don't know about situations like that that may come up and and, and just be a fork in the road for you. you got to make a decision. Are you going to continue playing basketball? Are you going to pick up a job somewhere else? You know, what is it that you really want to do? So, you know, for me, I said, I got the contract right here. Let's go ahead and sign it. So that was kind of my thing going into Fenerbahce. Um, and at that time, I was still chasing the NBA dream. But, you know, I wasn't for the uncertainty. I was more so for I got security right now. I know I'm good for the next two years. And, and then just, like, like make sure people understand, um, Matt, that Fenerbahce is in Istanbul. It's in Turkey. Just yeah. so you guys understand, like, just geographically, like, what you guys – like, seeing how, like, even though he, he had a great resume, great agency, he's still moving around from place to place, you know. And that was and, a and, big – that was a big thing, not to cut you off, Prep, was that, you know, a lot of teams were like, why is it that you're signing in a new team every year? Why haven't you just been solidified in one place? And for me, it was because I was always getting a better contract. You know, every team I went to, the next team was offering more. So it was like, cool, that's what, again, this is what we playing for, right? We're playing basketball because we love the game, but we also want to get paid for it. So that's kind of why I was moving around the way I was. Um, and Benabaji, like Krabi said, was in Istanbul. Istanbul, Turkey. And I mean, like I said before, my life was like a postcard. I'm going to Paris this weekend. I'm going to see the Eiffel Tower. I was in Greece. I got to see the Acropolis. So all the stuff that we saw in the history books, I got to see. You know, playing in Russia, I got to see Red. Square. I got to see, you know, all the houses, you know, Moscow, St. Petersburg, um, you know, going to Turkey. I got to see the Blue Mosque, the Hagia Sophia. This was every day, you know, from my park, I could see all this stuff, you know, and to see this stuff that people talk about in history books, I see it in, in my daily life, you know, it's an experience, man. It's an experience, but you got to be willing to accept the culture, accept it, accept where you are and enjoy it. Have fun, get out, see some things, you know, you really enjoy it. You really find some things that are different. And that was just something that, that went into account when I played in Istanbul as well. The season wasn't so good. The season wasn't so good that year. You know, we had a lot of players that um, – I played with Boyan Bogdanovic. Like before, when I played in Partizan, I was with Bogdan, who's in Atlanta now. I think Boyan is in Utah. Utah um, yeah. Great score. You know, he scored a ball, and he was doing that the same way uh, when we were in Fenerbahce. This is prior to him getting drafted, I think, to Brooklyn. Hmm. Or at the time, it was New Jersey Nets. Um, and again, this was the lockout year. Not only did I play with Boyan Bogdanovich, but Tabo Cephalosha played with us that year. Um, Darren Williams, who was in the league, had came to play with Besiktas, who was also a team in Turkey. Um, and they were in the Euro Cup. Uh, and we got a chance to play against them. And we got to see the real Darren Williams that game. Uh, <laughs> hey, was, and you, hey, hey, not to cut you off, Jay, but he's laughing because Darren Williams, I think, played four games for them and got his jersey retired. I think he yeah, scored like I fifty. I think he scored fifty twice, which is crazy for Euroleague or Eurocup. Yes, yes. Now, I think he scored sixty. Yeah, I think he scored sixty. I think it was sixty one game. But yeah, in, in like four or five games, he got his jersey retired before the NBA came back. You know, they were like, "We're gonna yeah. put his jersey around because he really did that." I remember when we played them the first quarter. He had sixteen in the first quarter, 
And like the first four possessions, he came out straight three pointer, three pointers, you know, pick and roll three, transition three, you know, snatch back, um, one, two, three. And it was all on Boyan. You know, at the time it was Boyan Gardner. I said, Boyan, you know, you got drafted to this team. You're going to next year. I said, go ahead, get all of this. You're going to learn something. You know, this is going to be your bet next year when you go to the NBA. Uh, so it was a funny experience. But at the same time, you got to see, you know, some great basketball. You know, the, the Turkish league is really high level. You know, it's probably not – I would put Spain at number one in Europe, uh, behind the EuroLeague in general. But the domestic leagues, Turkish league is very competitive, very competitive. And um, we got to see that then. And, I mean, it was a tough season for us. We didn't end up bringing home the championship that year. We actually lost to Besiktas in the, fi- in the, in the playoffs, first round. Um, when Darren Williams had left to go back to the NBA, they brought in Carlos Arroyo. You know, and they had uh, David Hawkins, who was, you know, a premier player at the time. And year they also had Pops Mr. Bonson, uh, who was playing really well, you know, during his career at the early um, level at that time. And he, you know, they, they killed us in the first round and they went on to end up winning the championship that year. So, I mean, it was, it was an interesting season. It wasn't my best season, but it was definitely one to remember. So, like, now you went from, you went from Fenerbahce, right? And then from Fenerbahce, you went to Unakaha Malaga, right? Malaga. So, yeah. so talk, talk about that. I remember you FaceTiming. I think it was Skype. It wasn't FaceTime. We were on Skype. You sent me yeah. pictures Skype. of, like, of like your apartment. When you, you went over there before you signed, before the season started, you went over right. there to sign. And you were just showing me, like, the views. Like, you had the Mediterranean in your backyard, like, literally. Dude, like, I, could see Mon- I could see Morocco from my house. I was, on the yeah. southern tip of Spain. I was on the southern tip of Spain, and I could see Morocco from my house. On a clear day, you know, boom, I could see the southern tip. And it was just like, you know, I felt like I was in paradise, man. I felt like once I signed there, I was like, I'm not leaving here. I was thinking about buying a house there, everything. I'm talking about looking at real estate, all this stuff in the beginning of the season. And it was it was something special, you know, being there. And I was out there with Marcus Williams, uh, who had also played in the NBA, went to UConn. Fran Vasquez, who was a, a lottery pick in the NBA for a little bit. Uh, I think he played in Orlando. And we we had some some great players, you know, that we were playing with. We had a good team. Uh, but unfortunately, it didn't play out, you know, how I thought it would play out throughout the season. It turned out that the coach, you know, didn't really have a good uh, – I don't want to say he didn't, he didn't really – care for me as much, but I wasn't his first pick, let's say. I wasn't his first pick. I probably wasn't his second pick, but I was what the team wanted to sign. And so for him, he felt that, you know, I wasn't someone that was going to help them win a championship. And mind you, we were retired for first place in EuroLeague that year, and we were getting our ass kicked in the Spanish League, not going to lie. You know, but I think our thing was we were more focused on EuroLeague than we were the Spanish League. You know, we just thought that, okay, when it's time to play Spanish League and, and win something, we'll show up. Um, but EuroLeague was our thing. You know, we were just like, we're going to win every EuroLeague game that we can win. And at the end of the first round of EuroLeague, we were tied for first place with the team from Tel Aviv, Maccabi. And, you know, my last game of the first round, we played a team from France. Uh, I think they were Cholet or Shalom, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and after the game, I remember one of the reporters came up to me and was like, is this your last game in Malaga? And I was in here like, what? Like, what kind of question is that? You know, like, I didn't even know how to react to that. You know, is this your last game in Malaga? And I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I never heard anything moving prior to this. I didn't know that the team was talking about, you know, getting rid of me. You know, I thought I was vibing well with the team and gelled well with the team. And um, it turned out that the team was considering trading me or releasing me. And my agent in Greece, uh, like I said, I was with Bill Duffy, where his agency is so big that he has agents all around you know, the world, basically. 
And each of them are, you know, professionals in their region. And uh, my agent, Nico Spanos, at the time had reached out and, and said that he had, you know, a situation with Panathinaikos where the team didn't like a player that they had. They wanted to get rid of him. And so I was actually involved in the first player for player trade overseas. You know, you hear about trades and stuff happening in the NBA all the time, but overseas, you don't hear about that. Like Kirby said, you hear about players getting bought out or mm. players getting released, um, settling their contracts. But I was actually involved in the first player for player trade, contract for contract, and you just swap teams. Um, and it turned out that it ended up being one of the best decisions that ever happened. You know, I ended up staying in Greece for seven years, I think. Signed three contracts while I was there. You know, and at the time, you know, getting getting traded from a team that I thought I was good at and feeling like I was in paradise, I didn't know what to expect, especially after coming off a not-so-good season in Fenerbahce. And this time, it was like, man, I don't know what's going to happen next. Is this my last hoorah? If I don't do something good now, you know, what's going to be the next opportunity? Is the team really going to take a chance on me or am I even going to be at this level anymore? And it turned out, you know, going to Greece was the best thing that happened. Yeah, I mean, aside from you playing in EuroLeague in New Jersey, retired with the team, but you also got to play against me and be around me for, for your first time overseas. Who, who won those months. games? Oh, it wasn't even close. His team, I remember <laughs> we, were, we were talking so much trash. We were talking so much trash. I think it was on Facebook at the time. Instagram Instagram was popping then. So Instagram had just got popping. We were in the comments because on my team, we had some, we, it was like a lot of Maryland guys in Greece that year. Yeah. So, so just to give you, because, you know, um, Matt went to Maryland. So on my team alone, we had Terrell Stoglin. We had Travis Garrison, right? That's just on my team. And then Landon Melbourne was in another team in Athens. Um, yeah. Boom Osby, Boombala Osby was on another team in Greece. So, like, it was a lot of Maryland guys. There. So it was a lot of tra- yeah, we all there at the same time. It was, I told Terrell, because that was his first year overseas, I said, it'll never be like this again. Like, you'll never see as many familiar faces in one nope. city. And so leading up to the game, and I said this on a previous episode, Jay, like people don't know this, but our, te- our Greek teammates went on strike the week we were preparing for y'all game. Like, like they went on strike because they weren't getting paid. I was about to so, say because y'all weren't paid. Yeah, so, so like they went on strike. They just, they stopped coming to practice. It was just the Americans out on the court. So I'm talking trash knowing all this is going on <laughs> behind the scenes. He just, he doesn't know this, right? And this team is stacked. They have ooh, Rocco Ukic, who played for the Raptors. Uh, Marcus Banks. Marcus Banks. That's the play I was thinking of the other day. Yeah, we had Marcus Banks, Jason Capono. Uh, yeah. He was out there. Um, I mean, we had, yeah. These are just the NBA guys. They had Diamond Diamatidis, who he just mentioned, who's a, who's a EuroLeague legend. They had him. They had Sophocles, um, Baby yeah. Shaq. Oh, Baby Shaq. You know, they killed they killed USA in the Greek uh, national team in the FIBA World Game, they beat USA by 30. That was LeBron and Chris Paul and D-Wade. That was their rookie season when they came in, you know, thinking they were going to take out Dwight Howard on them. You know, they were there, and Greece killed them, and Sofo, Big Sofo was one of the reasons. You know, playing against him and practicing against him, man, that's a whole other story, man. I, you couldn't guard him with three people. You can guard him with four people. You know, he was he was an amazing big man. Um, but we definitely had a team that year. We had, we had a squad that year, and it was great to be able to play against Mike, uh, a lot of the familiar faces, Travis, Landon, Terrell. Um, it was amazing even being in that. You know, it made the transition great leaving Spain, as bad as I felt. And I didn't know all the things that Greece had to offer. I didn't realize that we were right on the water. I wasn't the best geography student, let's say that much. So I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But once I actually got settled in and understood what Greeks was and how it was and basketball there and everything, I knew I would fit right in. I knew I would fit right in. Well, we, we ate a lot of souvlaki that year. 
whole lot of souvlaki. Gyro. Gyro. You talk about put on weight. That type of food. Put on weight. Sure. Is that a hard thing to balance, guys? Like you're somewhere where you want to experience the food and culture, but you got to be on kind of a restrictive diet. Like how how good does your willpower have to be somewhere like that? I'm picky. So like, and I know he picky too, to to a degree. So like, it wasn't really hard for me. I like food. I like to eat. I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, you come on, you're an athlete. You got to maintain your body. If you start getting overweight, you know, you got to do what it takes to, to get back to your, your plan weight, things like that. You definitely got to be mindful of that because in the contract, again, the contract, it says, you know, players got to stay within a, a you know, playing shape. If you don't, then they have the ability to tell you that you can't play. And to get to some point, it could they could find you, you know, depending on the team it was, uh, you know, you, you sign a contract. You sign a contract. So you got to, as a professional, you got to be professional when it comes to that. You know, you don't have to deal with that at college because in college they maintain all of it. Maryland, we had training table. We had, you know, okay, you had the late night and all that stuff at the, the dining halls and stuff. But even so, you still, they were on you every day in college. And once you reach professional level, it's on you. Your, your summer workouts, you know, your preparation, all that stuff is on you. There is no, you know, I got a coach that's going to help me do it. No, you got to pay for that. You want to do that. It's not just set up for you to do that. So, I mean, that's just one thing you got to learn as being a professional, being responsible for yourself. Making sure that you're at an optimal level to play. I think that's a common theme that we're going to hear, you know, with all of our guests that have played overseas for any amount of time is that you have to be, you have to self-manage, you know, like in terms of your treatment, your diet, your lifestyle, everything is on <laughs> you. Like nobody's going like the second that it's in that's it's affecting your game, you getting you getting a warning. If you get a warning, if you're like James or somebody who has a pedigree and something like that, you might get a warning. But for guys that don't have that, you don't have the luxury. You don't have that. There are 10,000, literally thousands of other guys waiting to take your job. Like, yeah. like being on this side of the game and seeing that, like the amount of emails and messages I get on Instagram and Facebook about guys who just want opportunity and girls that just want opportunity, it's, it's unbelievable. So I can understand how teams can only vet. They go through a vetting process where they're only looking at profiles and things like that because you it's just too many – quality players for a handful of jobs. And so you have to understand that when you go play overseas is that you're not on vacation. Yes, like James said, you get to see the world. You get to experience all these different things. You get to play ball for a living. But at the same time, you're here for work. You work. You know, like, you're working for real. And, you know, we touched, we touched on this before. It's like people think, you know, you, you find these little pockets like you're going to Paris this weekend. But you right. really got to force yourself to go because you can literally be in a house for seven months, like practice, road games, back to the house. And yeah. Putting in your extra work because you're so tired. Man. And I mean, last year was crazy being in Germany during the lockdown. You know, Germany is one of those countries where they're real strict on their rules. You know, they're, they're real black and white. It's just, it's no gray area. There's no in between. There's no getting around their laws and their rules. And last year during the COVID experience, they were locked down. They had curfew. At nine o'clock, if you didn't have like a specific paper saying that you were an essential worker, somebody needed to be out afterwards, you was getting stopped by the police. You was getting fined. They might take you in or whatever. And I mean, they didn't have, you know, in in dining restaurants. You had to take everything to go. Everything was closed. You couldn't go nowhere. And I mean, last year it was like that. I didn't really have the opportunity to have my family with me. You know, towards the end of the season, I was able to get my daughter to come out there. But it was gym and home. Gym and home. Gym and home. That was not an easy year. It was not an easy year. 
you've got family there with you now. And obviously you talked about your first year in Athens, you had for, you know, familiar faces and things like that, but other points in your career, what were the things you did to kind of protect your mental health? Like, uh, was it getting out to make sure you saw the sites or, or, I mean, what are the things that you did to kind of keep yourself sane and focused and, and all the things you need to be? You know, I'm going to hit, I'm going to hit a couple points for me. Being able to get out, you know, after the games or, you know, after a difficult week, you know, sometimes you just got to go out and have fun. Go out and have fun. You know, I'm not saying go out and get drunk or something like this because you are an athlete, you are a player for the nation, for the team that's there that everybody knows that you can't go beside yourself because you're going to find pictures on Twitter the next day of you just being out there and next thing you know you get released by a team. But at the same time, you know, go out and enjoy yourself. That's one thing that really helped you release the stress of dealing with all the on-court notices. You know, it's already hard enough not being around your family back home in America. It's already hard enough not being in America. You know, when the holidays come around, like Christmas, New Year's, things like that, Thanksgiving, uh, Easter, when the families all come together, you don't have that picture over there. You know, there's a lot of people that you kind of don't really know. You might not like, you know, you need time to be able to be by yourself or enjoy time, you know, outside of that boat. That's one point. Another point is having my family with me. You know, once I got married, once I started having kids and we started living together and they traveled with me, that was a big help to my mental. You know, because regardless of how the day went, regardless of how the game went, I knew when I came home that, you know, my kids and my wife, they made me happy. They didn't have to think about nothing else. I didn't have to worry about, you know, all the other stuff. Granted, I had the things that I was dealing with back in America, maybe. I still had my family and that was, that was huge. So, you know, you need those things to help relieve stress. But you also need those things to help you keep going, you know, to understand the big picture. And just to touch on that, you know, I talked about for me when I was overseas, just going outside and be, and just getting like perspective. Like, yo, I'm literally in Shanghai, China, or I'm in I'm in Lisbon, Portugal right now. Like, who would have ever thought we would see all this? And like, that's sure. how I did. You know, like, I would just just take it in every day. When you get the time to travel, yeah, you know, I've yeah. been I've, I've had some situations where I've been on teams where coaches don't let you know you got two three days coming up. You know, and it's like, dang, I wish you would have told me because I'd have planned a trip to go somewhere. Um, but this year, and I think I had, I want to say last year because uh, everything was locked down. But this year, you know, our coach has been giving us heads up. Like, you know, we've had a long month. We've had this and that. We're going to give you a couple of days off. If y'all want to stay or travel somewhere, you know, you can travel. And he told us this a couple weeks ago so that you could plan ahead, you know. But like Mike said, to get out and travel and see some things. You know, when I was in Istanbul, and I felt like the season was pretty much a wash. Um, my wife was the one that was telling me, you know, let's go downtown. We're going to go see the Blue Mines. We're going to go see the Hagia Sophia. We're going to go do this. We got to see some historical, you know, artifacts, some things that have been standing for thousands of years. You know, you're talking about the initial civilizations prior to, you know, what's going on now. They're still standing. Greece, you know, getting to see the ruins and stuff like that. You know, if you care about history, I was big in Greek mythology. That was something I really liked in school. Learned about Zeus and you know, all the different Greek gods and things like this, I got to actually see the temples, you know, the places, you know, the islands, those things that, if that don't take you away and blow you away, you know, literally, you know, I don't know what else can. The food, when I was in Italy, the food was amazing. It was something that I just loved. I'm a food guy, you know, so I mean, get out, eat, you know, get out, try some things, try the things that are, that are traditional to those cultures. Those things really help, you know, and they help you just kind of put things into perspective. Like you get an opportunity that a lot of people don't get. Like Mike said, only 60 people get drafted. Not a lot of people get a chance to play overseas and play at a high level of travel. And when you get those opportunities, especially doing something that you love, you got to do it. You got to do it.
Yeah, and like like for me, like a lot of people asked me, you know, what was my favorite year overseas? It was that year in Greece, and I had honestly nothing to do with basketball because it was like, yo, I'm I'm here with my boy, like like we played the Langley Park Boys and Girls Club, like as kids in high school and going on crazy trips. We played AAU together, and now Thanks. we're in Greece. And like obviously, I wasn't playing Euroleague; I was playing in the in the local league, um, the national right. league. But That's it, was it. Like, we was living the dream, yo. We was living yeah. the dream. So a lot of people, that was a dream, for real. Yeah, and, and you know, we we took totally different paths. And, like, honestly, he, James helped me a lot with my transition because we used to talk all the time. He knew my grind. You know, I had to really grind, grind. Like, people say out the mud. Obviously, I didn't grow up in the hood or anything, but my journey to professional basketball wasn't right. – it was a road less travel. And right. so, like, you know, just having him there. Like, I remember my first year I played in uh, Worcester in the BBL in England. And he would hit me, he would look at my stats, he was like, yo, you know you can get a triple-double. Like, I was getting, like, seven boards, six assists. And so just hearing that from him, you know, because he was playing at the highest level, and just to have somebody like that, you know, you know, to bounce ideas off of, to talk, we joked a lot. You know, that helped me when I was overseas my first year. Like, we'd be on Skype. Skype was popping. we dating ourselves. But right. uh, it was just but still, cool. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I can give to you, Crep, just to give you your flowers for a minute, man, is just that I, I see your grind from the beginning. And I know your love for basketball has been higher than anybody that I've ever met. And, you know, playing at a professional level, you got to see some things. Mm-hmm. You may not have reached the level that you wanted to play professionally, but you're now in a position where you got a chance to help people for real. And that's huge. I think you're at a bigger position that you are in now than you would have been, you know, playing basketball. You know, with this being said, like, you deserve your flowers for that, for sure. Because you're helping people out. You're helping people achieve their dreams. And that's something that, you know, at the end of the day, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. You know, you want to live your dream, and now you help other people live their dream. That's huge. I appreciate that, Jay. People think we clown each other all the time, but at the end of the all day, like, it, yeah, yeah, but it, that's how we show love for each other. But I mean, you put out a book, bro. You you put out a book. You got your own company. You got your own thing. Now you're doing your own podcast. You know, you're doing this thing. You linked up with Matt. Like, Matt, you got a great, you're not. Uh, I lucked out here, man. You got a great guy on your side right now that's really got a vision for something that can really help the next generation come up and be successful. He's got the blueprint. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has been rewarding for me. And, and I think there's a lot of things just from this interview that both of you guys have talked about that, you know, the the next generation of guys will be able to take and, and hopefully really learn from and, and you know, not have to go through the things you guys went through to, to get where you, you know, you wanted to be. All right, let's just take a quick time out from the show to hear from NordVPN, one of our sponsors. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it's more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start at just under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. All right, with that, let's get back to the action. What's either the best piece of advice you would give people or best piece of advice uh, an older guy coming up gave you or things you picked up along the way? I would say, you know, for me, don't compare your situation to anybody else's. You know, your situation is your situation. And 
one of the things that, you know, probably a veteran player told me or a coach or something like that was only worry about the things you can control. You can't control everything. You can't control the minutes that a coach is going to give you. You can't control, you know, whether the ball is going to drop in every time you shoot it, you know, to make it go. You can't control the team that you're going to be on or the city you're going to be in when it comes to contracts. A lot of people say, well, why don't you play here? Why don't you come to the NBA? It's not my choice. You know, if, if somebody wants to sign me, I'm gladly coming. But don't think that it's, that's my say. It's not my say. So at the end of the day, you can only worry about what you can control. And when you do that and when you focus on that and worry about yourself and just put your head down and have a goal set that you want to get to, anything is possible. You know, they say, what, you got to put in 30,000 hours to master something? Get in the gym. If you want to be a basketball player, get in the gym. And now I'm not talking about with everybody, all your friends, I'm talking about by yourself. Get in the gym, master your craft. You know, if it's a business, read some books, go to school, put your hours into studying and understanding, perfecting what you're trying to, you know, sell or what you're trying to be, you know, build into a corporation or a business. Put your hours in so that you can master those things. When you do that, you know, the game is what I call it. The game is going to get back to you. You get back what you put in. If you're going to half-step it, you're going to take shortcuts. People are going to notice. They know when you've been working. They know when you haven't been working. You know, eventually you're going to fall off or eventually you're going to excel. But all that goes to into how much work have you really put in? And when you say that, when you look at yourself in the mirror, that's when you can really be truthful. You can't lie to the person in the mirror. You can lie to everybody else. But that person in the mirror, you can say, I got up my shots today. Or, yeah, I did what I was supposed to do so that I can perform this week. Or, I did I did all the study that I was able to do so that I'm prepared to present this, you know, this business plan so I can get it locked in. You never really did that. <laughs> you know, you only lying to yourself. All I can say is put the work in. Put the work in. Worry about yourself. And, you know, I think everything will be okay. I think everything will be okay with whatever you do, not just basketball. Listen, y'all heard it here from one of the most legendary European basketball players of all time, right? Like, listen how humble he is. Like, take notes from that. You know, people might look at the lifestyle and all that. And then if they ever get to have a conversation with, with Jay, so I'm trying to tell him, he's a teacher. He's a teacher, like, without even saying a word, just through his action. If you guys ever get to be around him, or get to talk to him, you get to see, like, he is what you're supposed to be when you make it. It's about showing people that you're great through your work ethic, through your character. That's how you show that you're better than somebody, not looking down on them. You know what I'm saying? You show that you're different by helping, by by being a high-character person and being humble, despite all of that, all that you've achieved in your career materialistically. And so that's one thing that, you know, I want people to understand with all the people that we're going to be interviewing, because to me, the people that are on my list to interview are all great people with great careers. With that being said, Jay, who's somebody that you think we should get on here based on who you know, you know, just being around? You, you've seen it all, man. Like, like, you've seen so many guys. We didn't even get to touch on how Giannis was playing in the second division when we were in right. Greece. You know, so I, maybe third division. He might have been third division. I, I, didn't even, like, I didn't even hear about him. I didn't hear. I remember you told me that there was a kid in one of the lower leagues because we were in the first yeah. division. It was kidding one of the lower leagues that they said it's going to be a lottery pick next year. And my yeah. first thing was, if he's so good, how come he's not up here playing with us? Because the, the legality. They ain't have all the paperwork to even be there. You know, that's the crazy thing. That's a whole other story that, you know, I don't want to get into until his story, but there was so much that went into as why he was a third division player. You know, but I'm talking about NBA scouts was in Greece every week. And I mean, all of the NBA scouts, not just you know, two or three, every single one was trying to see Giannis. And they ended up bringing him to the All-Star game one, uh, one year. 
He played with us. And I mean, he was a skinny kid, long athletic. He was playing in some beat up Air Force Ones, the low top ones, you know. <laughs> and now he just signed the biggest contract in the NBA, you know. And then yeah. talk about somebody that got nothing, he's one that got it from nothing, for real. Out the mud, for real, yeah. But yeah, like, I mean, you know, this is a blessing, you know, to be in this lifestyle, to be able to see these and have these stories to tell to try to give somebody else. That's what we're here for now. And I see that, you know, hopefully, you know, I can become a coach when I'm done playing. When I'm done playing, I want to become a coach, you know, because I feel like I can teach the game. I've had the opportunity to be coached by a lot of great coaches since I since I played basketball, you know, from the collegiate level, high school level to the professional level over here. I feel like I got a lot of game to give back. And that's something that I'm willing to do, you know, and as Mike is doing in his way, I got my way that I want to do it too. And hopefully, you know, something that can really, again, help this next generation. Yeah, but let's go back. Who is somebody that, um you know, you think we should interview next? You know, somebody I would say, that you think I, would be a good, a good person to have on? I would say Mike James. I would say Mike James, you know, because I've been watching Mike. He's one of my, this is like one of my brothers for real. You know, we've grown a strong relationship over the years. But I remember when he first came out of college and was playing in second division Italy. And I mean, I'm a guy that loves watching basketball. I watch basketball all the time. Uh, highlights and everything that come online and things like this. And now with social media, it's easier to see like all the players that are killing right now. So like James, I remember seeing him on one of the top 10 uh, highlights of Italy. And this is second division. This isn't even first division. He like came off the pick and roll, split the pick and roll. And he dunked on a seven footer. And I was just like, who is this? And he was on the highlight every week. And I was just like, dang, I was like, he's nice. Like, Hopefully, you know, he get a chance to play somewhere because, like, he's elite. Like, playing at that level, you know, I'm like, he don't belong there. Yeah. Just so happened the next year he comes to Greece. And he's playing yeah. in first division Greece with, I think, Colossos Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And we had a game against them maybe, like, the first or second week of the season starting. And he gave us a cool 30. But, I mean, we won. But it was yeah. like, he doesn't belong here. You know, yeah. and, I, and, I and I told the team, I said, I told Patrick Michael, I said, man, we need to get him. We need to buy him out. We need to get him now. And I want to say not even two weeks later, he got signed to a team in, in Spain. It was a yearly team. They bought him out immediately. He played there. That team ended up going to the Final Four that year. Um, and then the next year, we ended up signing them. You know, the next year we played. You know, what's crazy is they went to the Final Four. They beat us in the playoffs. We played them in the playoffs that year to go to the Final Four. And they beat us in the playoffs. And that next year, they signed him to Greece. And I played in Pat Nike. I had an opportunity to play with him for two years in Pat Nike. Afterwards, you know, he did, I think he went to Phoenix. You know, he went to Milan. He went back to the league, played in Brooklyn, you know, Chester. He's, when I say somebody that's really came from the bottom and made it to the top, I would say Mike James is probably one of those players that I would say, you know, interview. Because he's got a story for players that, you know, maybe it don't look so good from the beginning. But you can achieve whatever you want. And, I mean, he's a special kind of player. Everybody's not like him. But I think his story can really reach a lot of people. 100%. Just a couple real quick hitters for you, James, and we'll we'll finally let you out of here. Thank you for being so generous with the time. Thank you. He ain't doing nothing. Got my God Sunday. I'm, I'm, I'm his son's godfather. We're, Ford's, Ford's in the background? Yeah, he is. He is. <laughs> Other than being a dad, anything new you picked up overseas, a fun hobby or a food you'd never had before going over there that now you kind of can't go without? You know, for me, I was real in a box when it came to eating. And once I got married or started living with, uh, you know, prior to her being my wife, once I started living with her, she really likes to cook. She really loves to cook. And so she's always, when we go to restaurants, she's trying everything on the special, never anything that's on the basic. She's always like, I want this, that, that. And so, excuse me, she's really opened up my 
I want to say my palate when it came to eating. Uh, I don't have anything that's like, I got to have it, but I can tell you that I eat a lot more because I'm with somebody who just understands food and understands, you know, where we are. And, you know, signing in France, she was just like, oh, we're going to this restaurant, we're going to this restaurant, we're going to try this, because she watches all the TV shows, you know, the, the documentaries and stuff that go on about traveling and food and chefs and things like that. So that's something that's really, I love food, man, love food. And this is, they always say, you know, the quickest man to the way's heart is food. <laughs> she does that. <laughs> That's awesome. Same, same on my end. My wife's the same way. I didn't watch Top Chef until uh, until we got together. Now, I, now I know all the terms and stuff. So, uh, <laughs> always broadening our horizons. What's the craziest thing you've had to go without while playing? Like playing for you know, maybe it was someplace didn't have tape or uh, a whirlpool or a whirlpool in the training room or ice or just any of that kind of stuff. Man, so it would probably have to be when I played in Turkey. We had a boiler in our apartment. But because I, I, you know, after practices and games and stuff, I shower at the gym. I don't usually use the bathroom at the house. I shower at the house so much. You know, my wife, she just came over and she was like, James, we don't have no hot water. <laughs> hey, you went on a road too. If I, if, if you remember, was, you told me this. You I had a three-day road. road trip. I had a three-day road trip. I had a three-day road trip. And she was, I was pissed off. And I'm just like, man, you know, you got to put some water on the stove, heat that thing up, you know, you know <laughs> hit the hot spots till I get home, you know, type yeah. thing. You know? But, you know, that year it was crazy because once you use the hot water up, and I mean, one person took a shower, the second person, the hot water gone, once that second person get in there. So it's like, you know, that was one thing that was probably like, oh my gosh, it was a stressful thing. Not having hot water consistent was probably one of the things that was like, you know, that. And not having fast Wi-Fi. You know, in America, that Wi-Fi was like, boom, 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 boom. You know, I played in Russia, man. The Wi-Fi was so slow. And it was like, I swear I was paying for it. I'm like, I'm paying for the best one. <laughs> the ones that giving me no bars. <laughs> so between the hot water and, and not having, you know, the internet connection to be able to either stream movies or at the time, I was playing Call of Duty crazy. Um, without that, it was just like, oh, it's hard to, that, that'll make you go crazy a little bit. Is there a show, movie, book, anything that, that's been helping you kill some time recently overseas? Um, I watch more movies than anything. Um, I kind of just been getting up on shows a lot lately. Like I just got on Game of Thrones probably like the last couple seasons. I had to watch it from the beginning because I wasn't into it. And I don't like watching seasons that are currently going because, you know, when they hit you with the show, like you got to wait till next week. I'm like, nah, I want to see it. <laughs> Binge watch it all. I'm gonna watch everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Squid Games that just came out. That was something that I watched all the way through. Yeah, that was um, insane. Movies. I'm a movie head. I like I like thrillers. I like horror movies, comedies. I watch a little bit of everything. Game of Thrones is probably a particularly wild one for you guys. You've probably been places where they filmed some of these seasons. Listen, yeah. I'm telling you, I tell you, my life is like a postcard. I've literally been to a lot of places that you see in movies that you see. In the history books that people talk about for years, for years. Yeah. I want to say one of my last seasons in, in Greece, we went to, uh, where was it, the Dracula Transylvania? We had a tournament in Transylvania, you know, where the, the castle and all that stuff is. Like, okay. I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm wearing Dracula. You know, this is like, <laughs> these things, you know, you don't, you can't, you got to experience it for yourself. You got to yeah. experience it for yourself. It was one thing to tell a story. It's one thing to say, you know, this is what I saw. I take pictures and everything, like seeing the Great Wall of China. Like you can talk about it, but if you ain't seen it, it's just it doesn't hit the same. Yeah. 
I feel like um, as much as basketball's come along internationally and, and caught up to the U.S. in a lot of ways, everybody has like at least that one story of a time where like a coach over there said something that you just kind of knew was crazy. And, and I think I got one for you, but I'd love to hear you tell it firsthand. But the fouling up one thing, can you can you tell that for folks before we let you out of here? Man, so yeah, my first introduction to that was actually when I played with Partizan a year after I got released uh, from San Antonio, or a year I got released from San Antonio. Uh, went to Partizan in my first game. It was an Asiatic League game. It wasn't even a year game. It was an Asiatic League game we were playing in Slovenia against a team called Olympia Ljubljana, which is in the capital city there. Um, and I mean, we had a tough game. It was up and back, but we had a chance to win and we were up one. Coach called a timeout. It was like 10 seconds on the clock. And he was like, we're going to foul. And I was like, in the middle of the time, I was like, what? I was like, foul? Like, we up one. Like, let's have faith in our defense. I think we got a good enough team defensively, you know. But, again, this is young JG. I wasn't really thinking about all the things. I probably – no, I'm not saying that because I'm older. I would make that decision. But I get why people say it. But we ended up doing it. Foul. They got two free throws. Now they're up one. And now we got scored. And we didn't even get a shot off. And I'm sitting here like, man, at the end of the game, we're going to the locker room. I was pissed. I'm like, yo, we just gave the game away. You know, I was like, if this is what I signed up for, I'm not trying to be here because I'm trying to win. Like, you know, it is what it is. And everybody's like, no, this is how we do it in Europe and things like this. And I'm like, man, y'all don't know what y'all talking about. You foul when you're up one with 10 seconds because you want to take the last shot. You think you hold your own fate. That's 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 what we're going to base this on and not our defense. Okay. <laughs> okay. That, that's you know, insane. You just got to be quiet and just let the coach be the coach. Now that's insane. But one story that I could say that was crazy. Okay. This is one thing that pops in my mind. When I play at Panthenikos, uh, Shane Larkin, who's playing at Ephes right now, he was actually in Spain playing for a team, Bascogna. You know, Tiago Splitter had played there. Pablo Pigeon had played there. Luis Gola had played there. Like a lot of guys. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Teletovic. Mirza Teletovic, who played in the NBA for a while. He played there. Uh, really historical known team. Shane Larkin was there. So we're preparing for the game. And mind you, we got like three days to prepare for this game. Not once did we talk about playing zone at all. Not once. And so in the locker room, prior to us going out, coach says, we're going to go triangle and two. We haven't practiced this at all. None of this. So I'm saying him, triangle and two. Like, first of all, we in Europe. Like, you were a team that got a lot of shooters. But mind you, Shane Larkin is killing right now. He's killing everybody. In Spain, just prior to him, uh, I think he had just came from the NBA. He was trying to get back to the NBA, but he was putting on a clinic, you know, with everybody. So he was like, we're going to put triangle in two. And so, you know, it was one of those things that we were just like, okay. We were just like, okay, we're going we're gonna to figure this out. So we get out there, first quarter, jump ball. I think we scored the first possession. And so now Shane's driven the ball to court. Boom, we're going to triangle in two. Shane stops at half court and was like, are y'all serious? Like y'all going, like, how are y'all playing right now? We ended up winning that game by 30. We won that game by 30 because they didn't know how to they their plan coming into the game, it was all messed up. It was all messed up by that simple adjustment. And it was something that was crazy, but it worked. It worked. It was a mind game. A lot of things over here are mind games. You want something to look like something that's not really that, you know, or you want players to try to tap into something that they're not really used to doing, but they think they can really do. That was kind of how we played it, and it worked. It was crazy, though, but that was something that always stayed with me. It was triangling, too. Never thought I'd ever do that. You know, you just got three people playing his own and two people denying everybody, and you got really good players around. And it was just like, it was, they just looked at the coach like, 
what do we do? <laughs> we don't know what to do. See, you know? see that, that that goes back to what we talk about. Like as a player coming from America, going to Europe, you have to your IQ has to be so high because they're gonna throw concepts at you. Like for us, we we were blessed to have good coaching growing up here in America. Yeah. So we we knew what those concepts were. We might not have practiced it, but we've done it before. We yeah, played we done. three ones. We played all these type of zone defenses, gimmick defenses. But if you're a guy who's just been a bucket, quote unquote bucket, and never had to be coached and put in systems like that, you go to Europe, you might not last. And it might have nothing to do with your ability. Exactly. Like, and, it, and it's, it's, there's a high percentage of players like that that might just describe. There's a high percentage of players that don't understand. And that's why they don't make it overseas. That's why they don't make it, you know, and it's not because of their personal individual ability. They're great players, great scores, great everything, but that's not what the team is looking for right now. You know, there was one player that came over that prior to me getting to the team in Greece, he was there. I don't want to name his name because for other reasons. But, yeah. Um, they were in a video session after the game, and coach was like, I need you to be able to set a pick and roll. I need you to be able to dive. I need you to be able to rebound. I need you to get back on defense. I need you to be able to talk on defense and defend the pick and roll, rebound and run again. And the player said, I can't do that. I need to only be able to do one thing at one time. And I'm sitting here like, you really said that? <laughs> like this is this is an actual basketball play right here. You know, as a big man, this is a play. This is what you do. So to think that you can't even think all of that thing at one time, and it's, it's not a lot, but it sounds like a lot, but it's not a lot. He's not actually able to do a basic thing as a as a big man, something basic. And you say I can only do one thing. You got to understand there's levels to playing basketball. If you really want to be at the highest level, you got to have an IQ, you got to have discipline, and you got to be able to work. There's a lot of situations you're going to be put in that are going to make you uncomfortable. But if you can't excel in that, if you can't be, you know, professional about it and approach it the way that the coach wants you to, because I mean, a lot of things are going to be based on team defense. It's not going to leave you on an island, you know, because there's no defensive three seconds. There's no illegal defense. In the NBA, you know, you, you help it too much. They're going to, boom, you get freaked off of this. Overseas, you got team defense. So to not be able to think that you can handle these kind of things that are basic. But they ask me to do it every time, even if you can go three minutes. Give us three minutes of your best work. He was like, I can only do one thing at a time. And when I say he was on the next flight. <laughs> but but that goes back to your point with your, your advice that you gave was that don't compare yourself to somebody else. Because I hear it a lot. You be in the gym, barbershops, you hear about guys talking about players that are, that are yeah. overseas in the NBA. Oh, I should be there. Or how come they got that money? I know I can, I'm better than them. If you might be have a better skill set than them, but they understand how to play basketball under the whistle yeah. and within a team system, and you don't. Some people can't remember plays. Some people remember forget the play that they just rolled up in the timeout. Some coaches only got six plays for a team. I had one coach yeah. that had 117 plays. Yeah. He had a PDF that he downloaded, and he had a play. It was almost impossible to scout him because it was always like he literally had a play for every defense. Any defense you thought you could have, he had a play for it. So it was like, okay, I see how you guys are playing us. We're going to run this in the second half. But he needed your players, his players, to understand and know every single play. So we would be practicing five or six plays during the week, and then come shoot around. Oh, he had 25 plays. We ain't ran all week, but he wanted to know. And if we messed up on any of them, he would be pissed. He'd be ready to end shoot around and be like, we're not ready. We're going to lose the game. Like, it's the end of the world. And you're like, yo, coach, we didn't even go over these the last days. But it comes with a level of discipline. Are you disciplined? Are you really invested in this game? You go home, are you thinking about basketball? Are you, or are you just going home and you're just like, I'm glad practice over. Like, 
what's the next good thing? Like, I'm coming home, I'm watching these early games, I'm watching the NBA games, I'm tapping into everything just because I'm just that invested in basketball. Like, I love it. That's why I want to coach it, you know. But there are a lot of players that reach the professional level that aren't there. You know, they only play it because they're good at it, not because it's something they love. And this is something that, you know, if you love it, it's going to work for you. If you don't, you're not going to put in the work and stuff like that. And it's, you're only going to hit a certain point. You're only going to hit a certain point. So, so with all you aspiring pros out there, I don't care if it's NBA, overseas, unless you're – even so, even if you're a once-in-a-generation talent, you better make sure that you understand how to play basketball and watch teams. Like, if you're looking at the NBA, watch the Warriors, watch San Antonio, you know, teams that play off ball movement, player movement. Then please watch EuroLeague basketball. Highest level of – to me, it's the best basketball in terms of pure basketball fundamentals and the way the game is supposed to be played is in the EuroLeague, right? You so, say, you, when you say that, though, people got to really understand how to watch basketball. Some people watch basketball to see the players that are just scoring big points or how they score. It's not like that. I was born. It might be boring to somebody that's looking for that. But you really got like, yeah, really to look at basketball. That's one thing Kobe Bryant used to talk about. You know, R.P. the late Kobe was that, you know, he used to sit and watch game, but really watch basketball. Like, when you watch tape, what are you really looking at? You're just looking at the shots that you're taking, what you missed, and why you ain't get them off. Or you're looking at how teams are playing. You're looking at opportunities where you can really find other opportunities to score within the offense. Are you really looking at how, you know, the momentum's change, time to score? Like, how are you really watching basketball? Like, when you really want to become something, again, proficient at what you do, you want to master your craft, understand it fully. Understand it fully. Don't just look at the big picture. Look at everything that goes into it and how teams and how players are able to get their shots off, get their positions prior to something even happening. A lot of times a wide open three-pointer by Steph Curry didn't happen because of the shot that he took. It took all the ball movement and running around that he did before he even got that shot. If you actually just sit there and see him running around, like imagine chasing him over screens, under screens. He's moving constantly. That's why he gets the shot looks that he gets. Not because he's taking shots in half court and stuff like this, but people don't watch basketball like that. They watch to see the big oohs and the highs. They're not really dissecting it. Be a student of the game, and I guarantee you, you'll be successful. That, that sounds like a good way to end it right there. That's that's perfect. I was going to say that's got to be a clip that we yeah. isolate from this and, and play back for, for everybody. Yeah, no, that, was, that, was real, that was real right there. You know, like, like you know, we, that's, so, that's why Matt's here, you know what I'm saying? He's great with the questions. He keeps us here because we can talk basketball for hours. You know, like when we watch basketball, like for me as a guard, as a point guard, and people might see, all right, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, whoever it is, shooting the ball from the three. While he got a wide open three, he made it. But they don't see the big man who rim run to the front of the rim, who sucked in the defense to, make, open it up. to open it up for them. Like, that's the, what we're talking about. Exactly. You know, you know, and that's what's going to give you longevity in this game. Because you can play, you know, athletically, you can get but so far. But at a certain point, like when I met James, James was talking about it earlier, he, he was a late bloomer, you know what I'm saying, in terms of, his skill set and his IQ and stuff. He was always an athlete, but he right. worked. Like, his work ethic was crazy. Like, when we played in high school, you know, one of our good friends, you know, that just passed away, rest in peace, Amari Israel. Um, yeah. Amari was was all LeBron James. Coming up, right. like, he was all LeBron James. For people who don't know, Google him, look him up. Went to Notre Dame. He went to Oak Hill. You know, he was like, the number one player in the country ahead of LeBron James. He was, the, he was ranked ahead of LeBron James as a junior. Like, this is not cap. This is not you know, hyperbole, we're being serious. And, like, James was was good in his own right, but Omari was that guy. And mm-hmm. James just kept working. Like, nobody was looking at James when he was in ninth and 10th grade as being somebody that was going to be on a draft board. 
But he, he worked. He, he got better every year. And that's what we're talking about as an aspiring pro was is that you got to, one, be real with yourself. Be real with yourself. And like James say, you have to love this game and be dedicated to it. Yeah. You know who taught me to be a student of the game? Gary Williams. Oh. Gary Williams, but who taught me to be a student of the game. And ever since, you know, the video sessions, I mean, he used to rip us. He used to rip us. But at the end of the time, or even prior to the video session of him doing it, he was like, yo, I really want you to understand basketball. I want you to understand how we could be good or how you could be better as a player and understand these things, you know, the little the little tricks, the little details, because, you know, it's a snowball thing. You know, when you do the small things, it turns into something big. Gary was the one that taught me to be a student in the game. And after that, it just became easy. You know, it became easy because I really understood and I really watched. I, I got all kinds. I got access to synergy. I'd be on all this game. I'd be watching players. I'd be watching games. I'd be watching plays. I write down plays now that I see sometimes during the games, and it's just like, that play could work one day because, I mean, you see how it just moves, you know, but this is how I watch it. Everybody don't watch it like that, you know, but that would be my incentive to people that really want to be successful, not be a coach, but be a successful player. Understand the game, understand your position, understand how teams move, how plays work, and then take it from there. Don't just look at yourself individually and be like, I had this shot, he ain't passed my ball. Or I had this moment, it ain't work out. Or I missed this because I did. Nah, it's a lot more to it than just that. It's a bigger picture than that. I'm serious. I want to be a coach and I want to be, I want to win something big. I don't want to be a coach just to say I'm a coach. I want to win something big as a, as a coach for sure. Uh, just hearing what you have to to bring to the table for guys, I, I can't imagine that that won't work out for you, especially knowing how hard you'll you'll work to put in uh, you know, the time to, to make that happen. So. Sure, for sure. 100%. And any platform that we have, you already know. We're going to push it, you know, whatever we need to do to make it happen. I'm not saying that we would need to because your resume should speak for itself and your character should speak for itself. But there's a platform that we have going forward because this is just a tip of the iceberg for us. Like, it's going to keep growing. You already know that. Thank you. I appreciate y'all for having me. I really do appreciate y'all having me and allowing me to be able to tell my story. Appreciate you being on. You already know how we go. This is, we locked in. Everybody, that's EuroLeague legend James Gist. This has been Ball Movement. I'm Matt. He's Mike. And uh, we'll bring you more of these. And uh, thanks again, James. Take care. All right. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.